At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Live from the bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, two people lamenting that their computers automatically update right when they don't want them to. It's Sif Pop. You go through such pain for us, Aaron. Go ahead, try to talk. No, it's fine. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, if if that it's announcer voice is gonna hurt you every time you no, do it, no, it's the season. It's just the it's the like you know the throat stuff and everything that happens during the season and and then announcer guy. Mm-hmm. We really have had the craziest morning in our what studio is up with today. technology. Can can we just just for a second? I mean, this morning trying to do the radio show. And we're doing this contest thing where we're taking for, callers. And... For over a year, we've operated out of uh, our home studio. Yeah. And we've been upgrading it and, you know, piecing technology together to be able to do this live show so and crazy. take calls and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. And then today, on the radio, because we're, we're working on the morning we show. We do a live show right a, from here right in the from bunker. Our, yeah. yeah. All of our computers decide <laughs> to update almost in, like, one went down and it came back up and had problems. The other one goes down. It comes up and has like I was going to say not just update, but the one, the first one that updates completely shuts down the sound card. Yeah. We kind of need that to do the show. We're taking calls from a contest that's running. Okay, so that's the other thing we really wanted to share with you guys. Um we've been doing a hilarious contest on the radio. It's been fun. It's been fun. The I the, the idea is that we rap Christmas songs and then whoever is listening mm-hmm. to the morning show guesses what Christmas song we are rapping calls in and wins prizes. Are we going to play these? I think it'd be great. I think I think that's fine. Is it okay if we play one stuff pop? Yeah. We could do it right now? Yeah, go ahead. I've actually got them on my computer. All right, this is uh this is us uh, rapping is, Christmas music. I this believe what, Aaron's first rap. This is what it sounds like if we were rappers. There's a happy feeling. Yeah. Nothing in the world can buy. Yeah, this oh. is my rap, I guess. When they pass around the coffee. Uh-huh. And the pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie, you. And that was that one. I'm telling you, these are ringtones. I did a Some, great somebody job. Somebody needs a, a ringtone. Do That's you want to hear Aaron's? Because I thought that was Aaron's. Let me play Let me play the one that Aaron did last week. Okay. Drop that funky Christmas beat. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Here we go now. Are you, are you going to do it? Sure. Okay, here we go. What a bright time. It's the right time uh-uh. to rock the night away. Uh-uh. Jingle bell time. It's a swell time to go gliding uh-uh. on a one-horse sleigh. Uh-uh. Giddy up, jingle horse. Pick up your feet. Yeah. I love that yeah, one. That just happened. You've been quoting that giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet line. Oh, yeah. For it's stuck in my It's stuck in my psyche now. We'll just be working and Danae will be like, giddy up, jingle horse, pick, pick up, up your feet. feet. <laughs> or nice. drop that funky Christmas beat. Do you have the ones from today? Yeah. Because I thought those were like okay. yours from today. Well, let's finish with yours from today. You have mine from today. Okay, I think this one is. I think this one's yours. All right. Okay. 
city sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed oh. in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Christmas, Christmas. Children laughing, uh, people passing, meeting, smile after smile. I went a little bit, a uh, little bit like Beastie Boys on that. Yeah, and I like bit. how I was like your fly girl. I was like, <laughs> ah! like I was doing like these high notes in the background. All right, and the best one. Okay, this, this one. Danae's from today. <laughs> Let me see if it works. Okay, here we go. 12. Drummers! Drumming! <laughs> How is that? There's pipers and there's piping and there's leaping, dancing, milking, swimming, laying, rings and birds and hens and doves. <laughs> and a pear tree. <laughs> oh, man. That was... That's amazing. I laughed so hard when we played that break because we because yeah. we would we did the the rap and then we would take calls and we would play it again for people so that if we got a wrong answer uh-huh. you know we could people have people let us know yeah, yeah, yeah. you know anyway so we we, heard, we play that one several times this morning and <laughs> i laughed every time i just it starts so wonderfully 12 drummers drumming <laughs> it's like dora <laughs> the map uh so while we have this crazy contest going and we're playing these fun raps and we're getting all these calls in our computers are shutting down and right uh, as we went live for sif pop today which we are going to get into our movie review here in just a second my computer that i'm using decides that it's not working and also restarts so i'm a little unimpressed with windows today and also i would recommend anyone who has windows to go double check your settings that it is not set to automatic Especially updates. Especially upgraded to Windows 10 because I think it automatically switched back to automatic auto- update. Automatic Because it used to ask me and I would be able to delay right, it too. if I'm working on something. And so during a show to have everything have to restart. It was like a crazy marathon in here. <laughs> we were throwing cords back and forth to each other. We're taking calls like we rerouted the calls to our one of our phones and then we had uh, another device. It was just nuts. It was crazy nuts. It has been an absolutely insane, insane morning. So today is going to be uh, a little bit of a different sift pop for us because we are just the critic and the girl today. Mm-hmm. Our geeks dropped out on us. Yeah. I... So we're mad at them all. Every one of them. <laughs> no, no. No, we're not mad at no. anybody. Uh, it's It can be a scheduling thing sometimes. We, we're really excited because we've actually got several guests that we're looking to have on sift pop. Uh, in 2016 internationally that, even yeah that have never been on the show before friends of mine from the industry you know other movie critics movie reviewers and they're all really excited to join us but in it's... some cases when they are able to review or watch a movie because of time differences yeah. they can't make the show so we, we've got some tweaking that we might be able to do but so we'll figure it out but it's just the two of us today we're excited though i i don't mind it's it's always fun to talk movies and so you ready to shoot though you ready to do this I'm thing i'm ready i'm ready all to right. stiff the pop all right let's start with this we were headed for the edge of sanity. Like we were apparitions, phantoms. Trust gave way to doubt. Hope to superstition. The tragedy of the Essex is the story of men. And a demon. And a demon. I have to say, so we're talking about Heart of the Sea today, which is like 
a Moby Dick's origin story, essentially. Yeah, it's kind of how Herman Melville, the story tells the story of how Herman Melville, who is the author, came up with the inspiration for Moby Dick, which is a true story of a whaling ship called the Essex that uh, Ron Howard put into a movie and kind of everything they went through. And that part was interesting, but even in listening to the preview, Mm-hmm. They had pieced together different elements from different parts to make that go. Like, yeah, yeah. What you just heard is never something that is said in that sequence in the entire film. Not in that way. No. Right. But, it, but if you listen to it, it sounds like sequence. And after the movie, we actually stayed and talked to some people uh, that were all chatting about this movie. And same thing happened with them. They're like, you know, in the previews, it showed this, this, and this. And that wasn't in the movie at all. So we all had like a little preview bashing <laughs> session out so done with trailers, right? So done with trailers. We always linger outside of the theater before going in, and we try to continue to do that. So I had no idea what I was watching. I didn't know it was going to be about Moby Dick or anything. So, so as you're experiencing that, we've already talked to, so we've said what it is, kind of given the summary. It is it is the origin story of the inspiration for Moby Dick. So this isn't the story of, of Moby Dick from the book. It's just the true story of a whaling vessel that inspired Herman Melville. And so it's kind of the telling of that tale. The interesting thing about going into this one is that one, it's like, oh, I should have known by the heart of the sea this was going to happen in water. And then two, as I'm realizing it's Moby Dick, I'm like, oh, my goodness, we're going to be under the water. And we all know. I don't like open (laughs) sea. I don't like the water. I don't like sea creatures. And I don't like watching things die. That's and true. so this was going to be, I was like, what am I doing in this theater right now? <laughs> so I went in this massive theater and the guy that's sitting behind me happens to be somebody that has like restless leg syndrome or something because he kept kicking my chair the whole time and I mean, it was, did he at least it was do difficult. it in the, did he at least do it like in the motion of the ocean? You know, like he'd kick your chair like at the right times in the movie when the boat is capsizing or different things no, are happening. I don't, I, don't know. I don't think there's ever a right time to kick someone's chair. I'm just thinking I could perform a service for the person in front of me now. I could make it one of those. They have theaters that do this. Yeah, those 40 theaters that have the shaking chairs and stuff. I'll I'll just do that for them. I'll bring a spray bottle and some like sea salt and sprinkle it. You know, (laughs) and just be like, whoa, we're (laughs) we're in the. I don't understand why you're so upset. I am adding to your experience. (laughs) What is the problem? Uh, So it wasn't like that. No, it wasn't like that. Once it started to kind of move into a period piece and what i mean by that is you know we're set in the mid to late 1800s when Mm -hmm. you know whaling was how people had oil so that there could be um so that there could be uh, like light overnight so now we've got people who have lamps that burn longer and so everybody's all interested in going out and and killing whales for this resource well they talk about it as if it were the gold of the time you know it it was the main resource of the time and so you know the people who could bring back the whale oil they were the the rich people and the part that i liked right at the very beginning was being in that environment you know we're right on the harbor we are seeing harbor life we're seeing uh you know not just the costumes but we're seeing lifestyle of people who are living in the colonial kind of era mm-hmm. and i i thought that was fascinating to to look at and i thought they did a good attention to detail element like it seemed like it was really well cared for Every single thing that I was looking at, I was like, oh, wow, you know, look at that. And it kind of had that feel to it. So it's directed by Ron Howard, who has that attention to detail. Uh, the movies that he's done uh, always feel that way. They feel very well thought out, very uh, well prepared. Um, and so this one, I totally agree, is no different. I think uh, you really felt like you were in that time and that stuff even, really worked. Even the ship stuff. You know, you've got these beautiful, huge ships that are going to be going out for years at a time and have to, 
you know, conceptually, what has to go into sustaining life on the sea for that long of a period of time, plus be collecting whale oil, which, by the way, now I know how it's done, mm-hmm. and it ain't pretty. <laughs> it's true. It is not pretty. Even 4D version of this movie includes some horrible smells, I'm sure. Like, when it comes, comes to the part where they catch a whale, mm-hmm. and they're doing their whaling thing, and they're like, that was disturbing. Yeah, it's... Um, and it was like, oh, this well, it was is what, real. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was coming. It's like it coming face to face with the reality of you know what it takes to provide resources, right? Uh, from our world, and that goes you know with eating food. That goes with you know war. I mean, there's war, war movies with, like that. Yeah, you know, whale oil. I mean, it's just it is a an honest look. Yeah. At what that would be like and how that would be, and for them, it was just their livelihood. They didn't see it as right. You know that way. Although some of the themes in this are about kind of transitioning into the respect for nature you know the respect for these grand animals and those kind of things i thought that was definitely there respect for the massive whale that's gonna mess you up (laughs) right i'm just saying i'm just saying so let's talk a little bit about the effects and kind of the action because that's a big part of this movie did you feel like that worked for you like where was it intense were you in it did you feel like so I, I feel like it did. Yeah, because so we're on the ocean, you know, for a lot of the action scenes that we're on. We're on an ocean. We're on a ship. There's only so only so many places that you can be on a ship full of guys. And you know, you've got storms that are going to roll. in. It's exactly what you would expect to happen when you're on the open sea. But I thought that um, he did. They did a great job of making it look realistic and feel realistic. And then when there's action sequences, it wasn't over the top. Um for the most part, but there were some things that kind of bugged me. There were a couple of those moments where it's like, really? Like that really happened, you know, kind of thing. But overall, I I found, for instance, when they come upon that first whale pod in the movie, I I found it exhilarating. The way they build up to it and the way they shot it and as they're, you know, doing that first hunt, I thought it was really well done. I really liked the action in this. I thought it captured and, and... my attention and was really compelling. I wasn't swept up in that emotion at the time. Like I, I could see their excitement because mm-hmm. the guys were like, yes, we got it. You know, we're going to go out. We're going to hunt this whale. And I'm just like, you guys are stupid. <laughs> you sure. are stupid, stupid Fair men. Enough. I mean, you're going to be rich because of all this, you know, oil that you're going to get or whatever. But you guys are like, you're on a big ship. Now you're getting on a smaller boat and you're going out into the ocean <laughs> with huge critters. And then you're going to just like, not even using harpoons like we think of like air powered harpoons or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is like harpoon guns. Man powered. Like yeah. we're gonna this is toss spearing. a heart yeah, spearing a whale. <laughs> a whale. You know? And so then I'm like, okay, this is interesting because I'm seeing this and then I realize what I'm watching, which is someone kill a whale, and that was just really disturbing. So then my like my emotions were kinda of up and down. So but I- I got, regarding the um the parts of like the action I didn't like so much is that sometimes I felt like because we're on a ship and we're moving a lot, and there's a lot of back and forward motion. We already kind of feel a little bit like seasick when we're watching this film. It's like you're kind of tilting your head back and that forth. That is something a lot. definitely to know. It is all shaky cam. It, Even it when is. they're on land, it's it feels sh- like yes. you're on the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And and I felt like they could have stabilized in some ways. And and there's a lot of zooming in too. And that I think is something that if you watch the movie again. There's a lot of really zoomed in components. This, you know, it's like zooming in on hands and it's really close up and then it'll kind of pan out and close up. So you've got these really beautiful images that were being shown. But sometimes if it's action and it's close and it's shaky and it's blurry, that's the part where I didn't enjoy the action as much. No, I agree. I think I think that's a fair point. Uh, How did you feel about the acting 
about the performances? Do you feel like everybody's character read true and uh, did you buy into the characters? Did no. you feel for them? No. So what was it about that? Like, why didn't that, why didn't that, because I agree. I actually think that the characters were some of the weak, weaker parts. There was one character I thought worked really well. Um, I actually enjoyed, so the, the, the movie is, like we said, is, uh, the author of Moby Dick, he, you know, he is interviewing someone for the inspiration for his book and someone who was on the ship, who was on the ship and, and like that person as an adult, I liked his performance. That was, uh, Brendan Gleeson, uh, is the name of the actor. He's a phenomenal actor. And yes, he, he actually did well. Uh, I, I liked his and I liked his wife's performance. I, I thought that the, I, the three of them, even yeah. the author, I liked their scenes. Those a lot. scenes had the best, uh, I felt, character relationship in the movie. I feel like Chris Hemsworth was just not viable as that character. I, I appreciated uh, his presence, but anytime he would have conversations, I did not buy what he was saying. Like, it didn't feel like it was really coming from him. Part of that, I think, is how off his accent was. Oh, my goodness. It was all over the place. You don't even understand. So, at, at, you know, half the time you're going, boy, you are trying and you are not succeeding. And so you can, Or what you, was that exactly? What did yeah. you just say? So you can tell he's acting and that takes you out of it. That's distracting, you know? I spent the first few minutes of his character introduction trying to go, what is this accent and then i realized because we're in nantucket we're in you know and, and we're in this particular time period this is supposed to be like a northern accent like it's got that kind of haba thing going on like mm -hmm. it's like supposed to be and right there and in not three seconds they did a better accent and that's than even he did more, the entire movie that's even more like philly we're talking about the haba mm -hmm. now i happen to have family members who are from new hampshire and they've been famous and they have a very beautiful cadence and mm -hmm. accent Right. And after about five minutes of listening to him, I'm like, that's what he's trying to do? Because <laughs> the only way I figured it out was not by listening to anybody else talk. No. And it wasn't by him. It was piecing together where they were in history and going, I bet they're trying to get the New England accent. I, I didn't, that, think, I didn't think they were. And then there was one moment where he elongated an A in a way yeah. that, that was yeah. very Boston. And I was like. Wait what? a second. Have you been trying to do that? Because yeah. I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, it was like con. And it, um, in my family, we have a couple of uh, like running gags where there's actually books that are written by people who have that accent, and it's uh -huh. written so that you can read it and get the accent as you're yeah. doing it. Or my uncle will use that accent when he reads, and the whole family lights up. And you know, even my grandfather, who's getting older now and doesn't have the best memory. If we throw out that accent, he just lights up. You know, there's just <laughs> cool. so it's a kind of a so that was disappointing, but it did show his faults or not faults. I guess I should say his um, where he can grow as an actor because he's a beautiful person to look at, but <laughs> that can only go so far. And I talked to three people about this movie that are that were the kind of ladies that go see lady go see movies for the beautiful men and like this could have been anything and I would have loved it because I love looking at him and he's fun to watch. Mm -hmm. I don't go to movies for that reason. You know, so I it's like, yes, you're a beautiful man, but I was really interested in what was going on around mm -hmm. the scenes. Like so when he's sitting there with his wife and they're having a conversation or whatever, I'm looking at the scenery. I'm like, Whoa, check out that old spindle. That's yeah. awesome. Or hey, look at that wagon. You and know, that I mean? stuff was cool. That stuff was and that's really where the character Maybe the best character in the movie was that. I think the best character, the one I was talking about, was um, the other guy. Paddock, I think his name was, the general. I thought he was great. The I, captain? Yeah. He captained the ship. I really felt like 
He, he was consistent. He was consistent, and he was perfect for that role of the person, the captain that knows, the captain best. that thinks he knows best, but is going to have a growing moment. And it's just, I. You're right. The consistency makes him good, but that, like, I felt like the other guys were consistent too. But Chris's performance was everywhere, and he's the center of the movie, so that yeah. makes that makes it kind of tough. Yeah. Anything else you were, you know, like you liked or didn't like about the film kind of as you were watching it? You know, there's stuff here and there about, you know, the that I thought were kind of interesting. I didn't I, I would say I liked this movie because it wasn't it never went too far from me. Like in the it didn't get too deep into whale violence. You know, it didn't it didn't go too far. But um, I thought it told a very interesting story. And it was like kind of a unique thing, right? Like. Moby Dick is a work of fiction, and in this movie they explain why it's a work mm-hmm. of fiction, and you're like, "Ooh, that's kind of a f-. so." It's sort of a fun take on the story. I didn't, I didn't know if this uh, surrounding of the telling of Moby Dick was true. I, I wondered either. if it was a fiction within a fiction, like if they right. designed this. Or, but I, apparently, I, I did some research afterwards, and apparently that there was a whaling ship called Essex, and this is based on, and that he that Herman Melville did gain inspiration from what happened to that whaling ship. To write the story of Moby Dick. I also thought it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of came up in the movie was the need to talk about something dark that happened. And I think that's another level of that complex character who's telling the story that who survived or the ex, the Essex that he needed to talk about. That was what happened. some of the best stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't know. That was the most depth I felt emotionally that I felt like when he had his release moment, you know, that that was a really powerful um, but I think this movie would be really, really good for anyone who likes those period pieces because I felt like they did a good job of painting a picture for us to see what life was like in this time frame right before they found, you know, a different way for us to use oil as a society. I think if you go, you will definitely find something interesting. And like Danae said, if you don't, if you're going to get seasick, don't go see it in IMAX 3D. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, but if, you know, if you don't mind that, if you don't mind a little bit of the graphicness of how whales are hunted, cause and a terrible accent and, and a terrible accent. Yeah. I think you might have a good time. I think overall, I would say I liked it. Did you? I think I liked it. What are you going to rate it? I, I don't know yet. Uh, probably somewhere in the C plus B minus range. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it feels to me. But, um, it's just, and part of it is disappointment too, because I do love Ron Howard. I think he makes great movies and you watch, you watch Apollo 13 and you're just like, that dude knows how to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And this, it just seemed like there were some things in this that stretched it out a little bit too far. It wasn't as, you know, tight as it could have been, you know, it was a little long for me, uh, especially at times, um, but I, but there's enough in it that I think I had a good time I think seeing the story. There, if there were a way for them to have more clearly taken all these characters and tied them to the person watching somehow, like you know, there's the the whale story, there's Chris's story, there's the captain's story, there's the kid who survived story that to tell later. So Did then there's the lost? wife's story, and then there's the author's story. And if there was a common theme between all of them. That was kind of something that we could piece together. Maybe there would be more of a tie in. But at the, I thought that it was okay. Like it was okay. You know, it's something that like, I think my, I think my dad would enjoy it. You know, sure. I, think, I, I don't know that yeah, it's, it's an okay movie. Yeah, Set your expectations yeah. fairly low. Go have a good time. Enjoy it. Probably kind of thing. Did you, I, I was asking? Did you ever get lost in it? I got lost a couple times in what was going on, especially after. Uh, well, I don't want to give anything away, but there, there's a moment where they kind of get separated a little bit, and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure who 
who was who and yeah which, and i just it kind of got lost lost me a little bit yeah that was another example of kind of how it falls apart i would much rather go see this movie than a love story like you know you know what i'm saying like there's yeah. there's some there's some kinds of movies where they do a good they do a good job it's a good period piece or whatever but like i would rather see something like this than you know so i don't know yeah Here's, uh, I don't know if you've got one more thing. I do have one more okay. thing. My one more thing I was really embarrassed about, and then I shared it with some people last night, and several other people had the same thing. So I'll share it again here with confidence. <laughs> um, I had no clue until they said it in the movie that the phrase, thar she blows, was a wailing phrase. I didn't either. I just, like, it, it never occurred to me. I just thought, I knew it meant, you know, there it is. Right. And I didn't realize that's the blowhole. There blow she blows hole. is there the blow. The whale yeah. is blow. There she blows. I didn't know either, I didn't man. know. If, I mean, in my brain, I guess I assume maybe it was from like dynamite, you know, or there she blows, you know, something's blowing up or something. I just never, and it, it all like fell into peace at that moment because they get so excited when they see the whales. They're like, there she blows, you know, and it's like, that's a huge thing for them because it means there's a bunch of and whales in a pod. collectively the entire room goes, oh. Ah, I see. <laughs> I think that's a great one more thing to to end on. I did know I did heart know, of the sea or whatever. I did know what a white whale, you know, searching for your white whale. I did understand that that was a reference to Moby Dick, but I just didn't get the Tharsha blows thing. So good to know other people were in the same boat. <laughs> All right, before we move on to a new seg. Twelve. Nice drummers. Drumming. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. In case you're listening live and joined us late, you may want to download this in the podcast feed and, and hear those raps <laughs> at the beginning because that was a lot of fun. Um, so before we get into our new segment, Danae Finally Sees, which I'm so excited to go into. I am too. We announced this last week. So uh, Danae, talk a little bit about uh, how you can support what goes on here at Sif Pop. We are really excited because so we're we're supported on a website called Patreon. P A T R E O N Patreon. Did you think during the movie last night when they were talking about their patrons? Did you see that? Like there were several times because these ships go out with people who support them and they call them their patrons and I just I, didn't I had even that, think about that. I had that thought every time I was like, We've got patrons, they love us. <laughs> we do. We have We're sending our ship out to sea. We do. We have people that are keeping this whatever fleet of entertainment of awesome i don't know how you want to describe it uh going we're doing a network a podcast network here we do our show live and we also uh release it in podcast form later with the help of people who love to listen to it so some people give us like a buck a month some do three months some do twenty dollars a month just whatever feels right for them to support this show and other shows that we do including a new one that we're going to be launching towards the very top of 2016. So our next goal is on patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae. You can always find quick links at our website, AaronandDanae.com. If you want to, you can just click on Patreon there and we'll have goals set up. And we are also going to be using Patreon in the near future to kind of show uh, studio upgrades that we're going to be doing. We've got some really cool uh, things that are always in the works in, that we want to tell you about all the time, but it would be overwhelming and distracting and confusing. <laughs> so, but we have some really neat stuff developing here in the studio and our patrons make it possible. So if you would consider just giving like even a buck a month, uh, this is a totally free podcast. Anyone can download it. But mm-hmm. if you like what you're hearing and you like our other shows and you believe in what we're doing, if you could consider starting at like a dollar a month or three bucks a month, the three dollar a month level is actually really good because then you get access to the uh, shows as soon as we finish uh, doing the show live. 
So like today, we'll put this podcast right up. If you're giving $3 or more, you'll have access to it. Yep, absolutely. So So thank you so much for doing that. All right, on to the next segment. We'll start it with this. What are we doing? Oh, we're doing Danae Finally Sees is what we're doing. No. 12. No. No. Drummers. (laughs) Drumming. Nice. (laughs) Oh, do you think he is? (laughs) I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how do you become king then? The Lady of the Lake. Her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. Listen, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Be quiet! But you can't expect to wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. Shut up! I mean, if I went round saying I was an emperor just because some moistened bint had lobbed a scimitar at me, they'd put me away. Shut up! Will you shut up? Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help, help! I'm being repressed! So good. Help, help! I'm being repressed. I would have never chosen that soundbite. Really? That oh, was my least favorite so... part of the entire movie. What? That's one of the classics. That's so great. I love that one because, by the way, before we get any further into this, uh, Danae Welcome has... to Danae Finally Sees Monty Python Holy Grail. Yeah. That was what was voted for was a Monty Python movie. So we picked Holy Grail. And uh, this is a segment where, because Danae hasn't seen a lot of classic movies, like any of them, uh, you guys get to it pick... It doesn't have to be classic. Okay. Danae hasn't right? seen any movies. <laughs> so, that's, that's true. So you guys get to pick the ones. I would think you'd want to start with the classics, but that's fine. Uh, so in this case, it was Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and Danae had a chance to watch it. Before we break down why you think this scene is horrible and why I think it's amazing, just overall, tell people how your experience was with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I I don't even know, man. <laughs> I felt like I should have been on drugs or something a little bit, you know, because like I think I, I did laugh out loud a few times. How do I describe it? I've been trying to figure out how do you tell someone what Monty Python and the Holy Grail is? Yeah. So how would somebody have explained, how would you have liked somebody to explain it to you before you saw it? Maybe I like, are they an acting troupe? I mean, they've done stuff on TV, I think I know. Mm-hmm. So maybe if I had like a little bit of an idea of, who they are? Who they are, what their style of humor was. I absolutely hated the end of this movie. It ruined the whole thing for me. Like how it ended. I I'm like still upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's 40 years old, so I think spoiling is okay. It ends with uh the police arrest, right? Yeah. And then nothing. <laughs> a well, black because, a black screen and music. Well, because all the credits are at the beginning of the movie because it's an old movie. So there are no credits to run at the end. Then why play music at the end? So people can find their way out of the theater. You know what people are doing? They're sitting there wondering what just happened. <laughs> are they coming back? We've been we've been farced and we've been, you know, farced. Whatevered. We've we've had a very awkward experience, so clearly we're being duped. We're going to have some kind of resolution here, right? I do often think about what those original audiences must have thought watching this movie, you know? Uh, especially audiences who, like you, didn't have a familiarity with Monty Python, then to just, would they feel like, what just happened to me? Or was it funny to them? Because this is a movie that 
is a cult movie in the way that most cult movies are. You discover them with friends and then you watch them over and over and over again and learn the lines and, you know, find the little funny nuances. So this is and- where this is where I'm kind of like surprised that that is one minute of, of the movie that you would choose to play. Oh, yeah, so good. That is not what I would have picked. I think I would have gone with after they bring the shrubbery and then they have to do the next round of shrubbery mm-hmm. and the knights and change it from needed ticky ticky whatever, whatever. <laughs> like, because that was one of those things where I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. You know, they're mm-hmm. having a good time. Yeah. You know, but that that scene has interesting stuff in it but i can tell you why I but here, it. here's the thing like it's the whole story it just is pieced together so like randomly like yes. they're not telling a story normally no, 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 no. And, and i i'm totally fine with that but at the beginning i just don't know what i'm expecting it's like when i went to go see fast and furious and didn't know what i was getting into because i'd never <laughs> seen one before and i'm like what is this crap and then you know then you're like okay no it's not like it's not like horrible this isn't as bad as it could be so i was finding things i liked about it but for the most part like i i don't know ladies and gentlemen the only comparison of monty python to fast and furious to ever happen i do that all the time <laughs> uh I, yeah i think here's the thing monty python is a sketch troupe they're a comedy troupe so in the same way do you know like who kids in the I hall feel are like i'm i'm i feel like i'm giving the impression that i hated this movie well, and I, I don't want it to be that i hated it i want it to be that i was Non plus, mm-hmm. plusing not the negative. I was, <laughs> I, I was at the 40 minutes to go mark ready to be done. Okay. Okay. So, so let me give you a little background and see if this helps kind of solidify. It's too late, man. What, no, what you're thinking kind yeah. of fo- help it fall into place. So it's a comedy troupe, much in the same way. Like, do you know who kids in the hall are? Have you ever heard of I them? I remember them. Yeah. Okay. So like kids in the hall, you know, like that, they, they work together, they do comedic sketches. So this movie is just a series of comedic sketches that all take place in the same environment or the same world and so in that way uh this is almost like uh saturday night live in that way where things don't hold together necessarily as well as they could but it's it's really just for kind of the those genuine moments like the moment you know with the the knight who won't give up even though all his limbs are getting cut off you know i did chuckle the the moment the moment where they're trying to figure out how to you know burn a witch and decide if she's a witch you know there are all these little segments these little sketches that really could stand on their own, but right. they're tried to piece and into a story. That's the what I think I was coming to understand is like there's all these little interesting scenes, and mm-hmm. I don't know how it's all going to tie together. But the only thing that was really tying the whole thing together for me was that he was going for the Holy Grail, which was abruptly ended. I think I think there's there's also a lot of um, nuance in the way the humor's delivered, which is a very British thing. So there's some of that dry humor kind of thing that happens here as well. Uh, I really love, like, for instance, the songs, like the Brave Sir Robin stuff always cracks me up because he's not brave and he has his minstrel singing to him or whatever. And Which, you know, by the way, let's never use that word. <laughs> when they said that they ate his minstrels, I was like, what are they talking about? No! And we had to make we had to, we had to do a stop down moment. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it, but obviously I am. I listen. The only time I ever use a word even close I'm to out. that. I'm out. Is my girl stuff, you know? And so I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand. Is this part of the humor? I don't understand. I don't get it. But I did enjoy. Uh, I did enjoy parts of the humor. I think my favorite sequence was when Lancelot shows up and just starts slaughtering everyone at that <laughs> wedding, because yeah. that was totally unexpected. The like, I knew that it was going to be long because approach, long approach, long approach, and then he's going to be right there. Like I mm-hmm. knew that was going to happen, and then all of a sudden he's in. But I didn't expect. I didn't expect him to just start stabbing people. <laughs> You know, so 
there's there's sorry sorry i i just get carried away sorry yeah that was a that was a pretty fun scene but like the, the little sickly kid you know mm-hmm. that's upstairs and he like that whole when, scene when is he, the best when he little pings his little love note out <laughs> that was i loved that part because i felt like this was the most i was really getting a, a, a idea of i had no idea how it related to the story or, or or whatever you know i guess i'm way too used to how stories are told and well my sure yeah universe, they're usually fairly linear yeah this is very different uh i love the fact that in the live chat as anytime we mention a scene like quotes just start popping up in the live chat from that scene just because that's the kind of movie this is is you know you just have these these quotes that you remember that reminded me i did type out my thoughts in band as i was that's true watching this movie and I would here's here's how it ended. Uh did it just end that way? Hashtag police. Then no really. Wait, is it really over? Because Aaron is talking, so this tells me that it's over. The screen is still black. Music is playing. I am concerned. The music is driving me nuts now. <laughs> Can confirm. Screen is still black. Guys, this isn't funny. No way. Is this how it ends? Well, that was disappointing. More sh- thoughts on the show on Friday. So I started my like, is this really how it ends at 2.55 p.m. And mm-hmm. at 2.58, three full minutes later is when I realized. Well, it's about it really... how long it takes to walk out of the theater. So they just really, had to give a little bit upsetting. of walking music. I can't get over it. I can't get over it. Is it really just the black screen that bothers you? Because that's just a product of, you know, being they a movie in a theater. They show up at this castle that appears after a boat that is in the shape of a dragon. And they're finally at the end of their quest. Yeah. And they meet these guys who start throwing stuff at them, probably human waste, I don't know, and then they get across the water, and they're thinking, okay, and then there's this big battle that's going to happen, and they rally the troops, and I'm sitting there going, man, that's a lot of extras. They have a lot of people that were interested in yeah. being in that movie, and then nothing. And then the police show up and take them off. Because it's been happening the whole movie. Like, they, like you've been Not watching- Not the entire movie. You've been watching ever since the historian part, showed up. Part of the movie, but it was even just like, a, it's like a small- teeny tiny little piece and it took everything out like you would think that the story would win out and we would find out what happened with the holy grail like i that's that's the part that yeah so here's the other thing you don't know i can't let it go monty python was known for that though so in their sketch show for ruining ends too yes yes in fact they they have always said that the hardest part of writing a sketch is writing the ending how do you get out of it and so they just started throwing endings away and in fact, one of their famous phrases is, is in now for something completely different. And they would just say that at the end of a sketch and go to a new sketch. Okay, like they, so that's, that's kind of what okay. they're known so for. Maybe is, that's part of what I have to be able to accept is this is just how they do it. If you watch their TV show, the it's end of every sketch, it. is it's just they just throw it away. So uh, you were in the room when I was watching this movie. Um, were you surprised with how many times I made a reference to like I knew what was going to happen or I knew it was going to be said, even though I had no idea what was going I on? I was. It was amazing to me how much of this like, movie is just in the pop culture conscious. You would say, I mean, and you would know immediately, especially those first like three or four sketches. Yeah. They'd pop on and be like, oh, is this the, you know, I'm not dead yet one. Is this the, you know, yeah. or bring out your dead. Like I was surprised you knew the bring out your dead thing. That doesn't seem like, you know, one that a lot of people know. But... I said it in exact tandem. Yeah. 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 It was pretty incredible. And then it was the, you know, it's only a flesh wound and you just, you knew all those kind of high points, you know, to hit or most of them. What were some of that you didn't know? Like you were totally surprised they were in the movie. Like that you hadn't had any reference for just from hearing other people talk about it. That clip that you just played, I've never heard that. 
come see the violence inherent in the system. Yeah, I haven't seen All that right, one. So I haven't defended myself on picking this clip yet. I know, I've Can successfully, I do it? I've successfully distracted you. You don't want me to defend myself? No, go ahead. All right. So I think this is what's so beautiful about Monty Python is so much of what they do has something to say, even though it's, you know, layered under this kind of, you know, funny situation or idea. Like it's uh, deeper. It's not it's a little just deeper. all silliness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's something really interesting there about governments and authority and how we do that. And uh, it's just really interesting to see like a modern mindset on government and authority in that era where it was a monarchy and you just did serve the king. But to hear somebody verbalize those things in that era kind of brings out, you know, the amazingness of how far we've come. That kind of stuff. Plus, I think it's I think it's a hilarious scene. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe maybe I'm the only one who thinks that scene's one of the funniest ones. But it, I don't know. It's uh, of all of the time that I've been on the planet and people have quoted Monty Python to me and it's come into my conscious and then I've been able to like Plus, verbalize it. Like I, I have never heard that stuff before. <laughs> he gives like three different ways of saying that he shouldn't be king just because a woman in a in a lake threw a sword at him. Like he uses all these beautiful words, you know, just because, you know, uh, some you know, watery tart or whatever, you know, hurled a scimitar at you. You know, like he just it's just a beautiful word play in there. He does like three in a row. It's just it's gorgeous. Ladies and gentlemen, today, Aaron is playing both the critic and the geek. <laughs> it's Monty Python. <laughs> what about what about the castle anthrax? That shocked you. Oh, all the ladies were yeah. spanked. Yeah, that was weird, man. <laughs> I was like, all right, whatever. That was that was the scene my parents always made me fast forward through. I can understand why. <laughs> I can understand why. Because it got, it gets like a little bit like, um, I can't remember what they said at the very end. Well, she has she cusses right when he uh-huh. he leaves. Yeah. Okay. I was confused by that scene, to right. be honest. Because I was like, is this something, is there more references I'm totally missing here? Is this like an ongoing gag or something? No. Or is it just totally randomness? Yeah. It's a completely random, you know. Yeah, it so is. I was com- I was confused by it, but I was. And it, and it, it feels it, it a little bit out of place. Here, it does. It feels totally out of place. Yeah. And I wondered if, because the guys rush in and they're like, you know, we've got to save you. So I kind of wondered if after they left that room that it would pan back over and they were all like scary, like hags or monsters or something. Twist. Yeah, but it was just a whole bunch of women that were wanting male attention i guess mm-hmm. yes that's a nice way to put it yes they well i can be attention. vulgar but my job is to try not to be vulgar like they, i don't want to like accidentally left the grail light on you know so that they would you know that an accidentally a night came by so yeah i think that was weird i didn't what about the singing scene what about the camelot scene did you get that one okay uh did i get it yeah are you telling me that there is something to get about this movie <laughs> And I'm seriously getting confused. Like, am well, I, did I miss something well, or the, is it all just random The musical, crazy? the Camelot musical. I think uh-huh. it was a, a parody of that. Like, it was a takeoff on, you know, would knights really be singing and dancing? So, yes, there was something to get there. Really? Because I, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was just more randomness. Which is the nice thing about a movie like this. That you have to throw everything out and just be like, whatever. <laughs> I don't right. even know what I just had. Right. I don't they've even a, know what just happened to they've me. They've got a doctor's note for every scene. It's just like, <sighs> we're crazy. So deal with it. You know. Uh, one of my favorite scenes was after had the movie had been going on for quite a while and the group of knights and their coconut wielders are clip clopping across a hill and then they come across someone and someone says dismount 
<laughs> yeah. And that was the first time I think I had noticed or that they had all been commanded to dismount. And that was really funny. I liked that part. I was like, that was, they didn't do it at the very beginning. They kind uh-huh. of waited for the middle. Yeah. So. Yeah, those running gags are, are pretty good. Yeah. So how difficult is it to watch something that for 40 years has been building a cult following and people quote it and love it? I'm and- expecting hate mail. I It's hard, Aaron. Well, I and, and my question really centers around how hard is it to separate your own view of the movie from these cultural expectations that have been. You this know. is this is a it, that's a good question because I want to enjoy it and I want to love it and I want to get it like everyone else does, but I'm I feel like you know like an old person that's just like I don't get this newfangled technology. You know, like they're just not going to get a cell phone because they just can't. You know, they just. They don't even need to. See, I'm curious about this because this whole segment kind of is that, right? No matter what movie we pick. Do they finally see fill in the blank? Right. Whatever that movie is, is going to have some sort of reference point for a lot of people that you don't have yet. And so you're always going to be dealing with, how do I live up to that? Or how do I, I mean, not that you have to live up to it, but you know what I'm saying? Like, how do I process that in in a way that's my own without feeling like I missed out on something or, you know, that kind of thing. So... I just wonder if that's if that's something that's like painful. Is there a frustration there? No, I think or I'm you... excited because I am honestly, in all honesty, excited to be part of the Monty Python Holy Grail Club because now I can, instead of just saying phrases or like laughing with people, I can now officially say that I saw it. <laughs> I right. know what that scene is. I, I the saw box. the scene. I know what that rabbit is capable of. <laughs> and I, I, I've watched it and I've, endured parts of it and I've been confused by it and I laughed at parts of it I think I'll probably have some takeaways so now I, I kind of like I'm in on, in on the joke a uh-huh. little bit more like I'm in yeah. on the experience yeah. so I'm technically in the bubble and I don't think I I'm going to enjoy that part I get nervous because I hope I like everything that we see because <laughs> I know people get passionate about their movie references sure, and culture sure, sure. especially when it's Monty Python because everyone I've never met not someone, everyone but... I have never when Monty Python and Holy Grail or whatever has been brought up, I've never had somebody like be like, that was that was just stupid. Really? Yeah. I think I've met one or two people who feel that way. They've been. But they're, but they're always. They've been sent away. But, Those people right. have been sent away. <laughs> so. The French have lobbed a cow onto them. I actually, <laughs> actually kind of wanted to go get some sort of like memorabilia like, to commemorate my first uh-huh. Danae Finally Sees. Because yeah. let's just be honest. You guys know. There's so many movies I have not seen. And so this is going to keep going. So I feel like I should like get some sort of memorabilia. And I was watching the movie kind of for, okay, what would I want to like add? Is there like a like knight that's missing his arms and legs, uh-huh. but has a little head bobble thing somewhere? Right, you know, right. like, what? there's probably so much. The Black Knight, I think, is that character. Yeah, there's probably so much of that out there. But Oh, like, I'm sure you could find Monty Python stuff. So you're going to like create like a little shelf of... I finally saw these movies. Yeah, maybe. Like little, little knickknacks. Because it feels like I'm sort of like being initiated like, into pop culture or something. It'll be like the Holy Grail from Monty Python. The next one will be like the Horsehead from Godfather. And then it'll just move on from there. I would like to have uh, your guys' feedback, though. Um, if you don't mind just shooting us a message, you can always email us. Just go to their website, AaronAndDenae.com, and you can contact us through the website. But I am kind of curious, like, if if I should watch it more in the evening time. Cause this time I watched it around noon on a Wednesday, which was super convenient for me. And I might have to do with more convenient for my schedule, just obviously, cause I've got to see it for the show. 
But if anybody wants to do like more of a watch party type thing, I'm thinking in the evening or on the weekend would work better. So as we think about adding the next round of potential movies to the list, I'm just kind of thinking ahead. So I would love your guys' feedback on that. So let me ask you this question. Having seen this movie, are you at all interested in seeing an episode of the Monty Python TV show, seeing another Monty Python movie? How interesting is that idea to you having seen the Holy Grail? Uh, well, I know there's like the ministry of the walking silly thingy. The silly walks the, is a great sketch. With, yes. You know, I know there's that one and there's also one where there's a dead parrot. Yes. The dead parrot sketch is another classic. So those are ones I've heard about and I've heard some people quote them. I feel like I know it, sure. but I haven't seen it. So I think I would. I think I'd at least watch the ones that I know are referenced regularly and maybe even try to find one, you know, that I, I enjoy. Yeah, but, that's part of the fun of Python, too, is there is always that what like one of my favorites is the wink, wink, nudge, nudge sketch. And not a lot of people, you know, quote those sketches. But, you know, you kind of have that thing that, that you attach to. Well, even maybe that scene in the movie. Maybe I'm one of the only people that attach to that scene. But there's just there's something interesting about following them in a way where you don't have to own somebody else's love. You can you find your own place to love it. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about and could be a fun thing for you. So I even think I'd watch the movie again i know i'd watch the movie again it'd be fun to put it on and then be with a group of people instead of me watching it to i maybe i would have enjoyed it even more if i would have been in a room of friends because this was just me like okay i'm gonna watch this for the show uh -huh. and so i'm watching it you know when i was pretty in much here, by myself yeah so maybe maybe to give it another round with friends who enjoyed it and then just seeing everybody quote it and laugh and yeah. reenact scenes that'd be kind of fun there should be a live there should be a live enactment of this movie you know how they do like um uh rocky, rocky horror, horror? Mm -hmm. yeah like one of those they should do this i bet they've done it before that would be fun they have to i don't know how People you would dressing do the up and... i don't know how you do the black knight scene but <laughs> i love that cuz he barely touches his arm and just falls off and it's like <laughs> It was like tomato soup, just kind of like glub, glub, glubbing out. That oh, was really funny. But yeah, I would totally do this again. Awesome. All right. Well, on to our buried treasure. Something in the world of pop culture, something you've seen recently, something that you've enjoyed that you might want to pass on to others. I usually do an app. That's kind of where I started. Or two or three. Or two or three. Yeah. <laughs> last time I kind of went overboard. I did quite a few, but I got good feedback. I suggested an app last time, and um, apparently I've gotten a couple people addicted to it, so that was kind of a, a neat thing. Um, addicted to what? Loop. Remember what I was oh, talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah, Loop? yeah, yeah. So that was that, but I don't think I'm going to review a game one today. I'm not sure I'm going to do that. Do you know what you're going to be reviewing today, Aaron? Oh, man, I got to talk about movies. I've been on a movie kick uh, this time of year. If you don't know this, because I'm an official movie critic and I'm voting in the awards. That's why he's the critic. Uh, my nomination ballot is due tonight, by the way. But how are you going to vote for Star Wars if you haven't seen it? Uh, that's part of the problem. And that's up to the studios. Like, I can't, you know, so Star Wars is not on my nominations anywhere. Because you can't. Because I can't. I haven't seen it. <gasps> there's one other movie that's an awards contender. That's ridiculous. That they did not get to us, which is The Hateful Eight, the Quentin Tarantino movie. So those are the two major contenders I did not see. However, I did see uh, a bunch of great stuff. And um, I wanted to pass along one that uh, I just want to give a heads up on. Because it's not even out yet. But it's one I think people will uh, really enjoy, uh, and it's called uh, Joy, and it's the David O. Russell one with Jennifer Lawrence, and uh, I just want to kind of give a heads up on that because I'm not a David O. Russell guy. He did um, Silver Linings Playbook, and 
um, oh, what was it? American Hustle last year? And he always has Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper at his movies. So apparently that's what you do. Yeah. Um, I, I, is that? That's his thing. It's kind of like the group of movies with like the 16 Candles Breakfast Club people. Yeah, the Rat Pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Hitchcock did the same thing. Hitchcock had actresses that he loved and put in a bunch of movies, and Cary Grant was in a bunch of his movies. But anyhow, so he loves Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. They're both in this movie. And I haven't been a huge fan of those movies. I've seen kind of the the talent that's there, but I just haven't loved the movies. I, I really liked Joy. So just as a heads up, I think this is maybe his most uh, mainstream kind of film. And De Niro's in it, and he's great, Robert De Niro. And I just I love the story of – it's a true story of a woman who – Wants to invent things and what she has to go through to make that happen. So, there you go. That's my buried treasure. What about you, Denai? Great job, Aaron. Thank you. Aaron did such a good job. Thank you. What about Excellent. you? You got some buried treasure? I was going to review yeah! this week instead of doing a game. I was going to do something that would help with organization. Um, I love helping people with organization stuff. Like, uh, they've got a project or a business idea and they're trying to kind of get structured and i usually suggest a couple of things right at the very beginning and one of them is trello which is like a to-do app so it's Mm -hmm. like you know you make a list of things that you've got to get done but it's it has a lot of depth to it you could add a lot of detail to it so it doesn't matter if you're you know in school or if you're at work or if you're trying to manage home stuff you can do individual projects it's a very very easy to use and you can kind of do whatever you want with it and just like any big organizational um, project, it's a bit of a learning curve as you get to used to it. I suggest starting at the website, which is Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. Go to Trello's website and um, play around with it on a bigger screen, a bigger format. They do have an app. They obviously sync up. But you can see what your current to-do list is and you can archive your stuff once you're done with it, you can assign people to it. So you can have multiple people on one kind of group and I'll kind of tackle things at the same time. So um, it can really help potentially if you're working on something. So I highly, highly recommend Trello. T-R-E-L-L-O. Trello, Trello. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've used Trello. We use Trello with some of the stuff we do to stay organized together. It's kind of good for a group situation too. Like if you've got a, a group that's working on a project or something to kind of keep everybody on the same page, the app's really nice. So I, I read a well. really fantastic article about organization and they gave me a way to like organize Trello to start off with, which is where you have like, you type in all of your tasks and everything that's on your to-do list, whatever you've got in your head and like one big long list and then you do today, this week, next week, waiting on, you know, you kind of like have these different ones and you just move them around. You just drag, drag them around from list to list as you kind of go throughout your week. So anyhow, if you ever have a project and you're needing some help, I can link you to that article. It was actually a pretty good article. Sounds so, like a plan. Mine's more serious today. I didn't bring up a fun game. That music means it's about time to finish up. That music's going to be changing soon. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we should talk a little bit about that kind of as we close out with uh, what 2016 is going to look like for Sift Pop. We're going to be launching Sift Pop into the next kind of uh, phase, which is where it's getting brand new music and it's going to pretty much sound like a totally individual uh, podcast. So, and also just a reminder the Sift Pop episodes are no longer going to be in the Shoe the Dough feed starting in January. So, 
you want to hear the show, you're going to have to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you subscribe to your podcast to to hear it. And it'll sound a little bit different. Sif Pop will still be a part of the Shoe the Dough network, meaning we'll still be live here uh, at Mixler during this time. But yeah, it's its own baby, going to have its own uh, logo and music and everything. And we're kind of looking at what that looks like uh, for the future. So thanks again to all of you who support us in helping us to continue to mold and create this network to be uh, something really unique and fun that anyone can be a part of. We're really passionate about providing a place for people to speak about what they're passionate about. More awesome announcements about new podcasts that are going to be joining up with the network in 2016. So thanks for making it possible. And once again, we would ask if you feel like you can and want to head to patreon.com slash Aaron and Danae and consider giving just a few bucks a month, not only to keep us going, but so we can get to the next goal and also to get some sweet perks. So Danae, would you survive at sea for a year? No way, man. So what would happen to you? How long would you last and what would take you out? I don't want to think about it. Yeah? You want me to have a panic attack? <laughs> the answer you is... You want me to think of all of the different ways I can die at I admit, sea? I admit now it was an awful idea. For real, Aaron? Wow. I, I admit now that was probably I not I thought smart. we were friends. <laughs> I thought that you understood that I do not like the open sea, nor do I like thinking about dying by the mouths of creatures that live in them, or starvation or drowning? Yeah, yeah, I apologize. I did not think that one through. Hey, Danae, what's one of your <laughs> biggest fears? Oh, I don't know, Aaron, being at sea. Hey, Danae, if you were going to die at sea, what's your favorite way to go? <laughs> uh, in honor of uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, uh, the police are arresting us now, and here's three minutes of our outro music and nothing else but a Blake screen.
The producers responsible for the end credits have been sacked. No llamas were hurt in the making of this podcast. And now for something completely different. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.